listening to the Straight Up Saints podcast. What is up, Houda Nation? Welcome back inside another edition of the Straight Up Saints podcast presented by Boot Crew Media and DraftKings. And we got a lot to kind of cover for this one. I know it's almost kind of like a dead period for NFL football right now. I know we have the schedule release coming up on May 12th, so that'll be exciting. Obviously, I'll have some stuff to talk about then when we kind of see what the Saints have planned, whether it's certain road trips, when the bye week's going to be. Usually it's early for the Saints, and we don't really like that. But you know what? History kind of tells us that, so we should expect it. See which matchups uh, fall when. You know, I know people are really excited for that Bengals game. When is that one going to happen? We don't know yet. Still two more days to go. May 12th is when that one will come out, but we still have things to talk about. What are realistic expectations for James Winston? That's something I want to kind of discuss and get into here, and maybe they'll change as the season goes along, but, you know, as of May, where do I stand on James Winston in terms of what we might expect from him? I'll share my thoughts there. We'll go into Tyron Matthews' contract because the full details have been released, so some, you know, some stuff to talk about there, and I actually think it's a really good deal, and I'll, I'll kind of discuss why in a little bit. And how about the running back group? You know, people are talking about whether or not the Saints need another running back to that position group, one that they were pursuing or at least interested in off the market now. Are there options still left? I think the answer is definitely yes. Now, before I get into all that, though, I want to tell you guys about a really, really cool deal that you guys can get going with DraftKings starting next week with the PGA Championship set for next week in Tulsa, you can get in on all the action for all four rounds with DraftKings Sportsbook. New customers can place any $5 bet on who win, single-round matchups, and more, uh, and you get $100 in free bets no matter what, win or lose. So you don't want to miss out on all that action. You need to download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today. Use the code BOOT, all caps, at sign up. You bet $5 on golf, second major of the season and, and it should be an exciting one and you get $100 in free bets no matter one once once again that's code boot only at DraftKings Sportsbook if you or someone you know has a gambling problem crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER 1-800-NEXT-STEP 1-800-BETS-OFF or 1-877-770-STOP so minimum $5 deposit required and obviously as always Eligibility restrictions apply, so go to DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for more details. But again, that's next week. The PGA Championship should be exciting. Uh, and and again, I, I don't know about you guys, but for me personally, I I got to the point to, to my life where there's nothing more relaxing sometimes than like a weekend just just chilling, sitting back, and, and watching the, the major events, uh, especially if there are certain people you do like that are in contention. Obviously, we don't know who's going to be in contention yet because we're still over a week away, but it should be exciting stuff there. And obviously a chance for you guys, not only to enjoy that event, but maybe cash in on it as well. So let's get into what's cooking with the saints. And let's talk about the running back position. You know, I think for the saints, there is no question about it. Running back is a need. I think that whether or not you think it's a huge need, that's your personal uh, you know, preference on it. I don't think it is the, the most pressing need in the world where I'm going to say if the saints don't get a running back, this season's doom. Like let's, let's pump the brakes on there. But I do think it's one of those where they, they need another running back, at least brought in the building just to kind of see what they got. Right. And and the reason I say that is there is not a single running back on the current depth chart. That doesn't have a question mark, right? Look through them. Alvin Kamara, man, I would love to sit here and tell you there is no question mark because in terms of talent, in terms of what you get from him on the field, there, there are no question marks. But unfortunately, with the off-field situation that happened in Vegas, you know, during the Pro Bowl week, 
there is that, you know, kind of dark cloud looming over in the sense of, is he going to get suspended? And if he does get suspended, how many games is it? And I know a lot of the numbers we've thrown out is around six games, but the truth of the matter is we don't know. Um, and, and since we don't know, we can't sit here and kind of guess about what that number is going to be. But if he is going to get suspended, that obviously is going to, you know, place a huge, huge toll uh, and demand on the other running backs in that room to step up. And I just don't think right now they have the facilities for that. And I know I'm just thinking of the, you don't have the facilities for that big man guy. And, and I kind of feel that way about the running back room for the saints, because I look at the rest of it, Mark Ingram, I, you know, I'm glad that he's back in new Orleans. I think in terms of veteran leadership, in terms of energy, you're going to get that from him. And I also think he's still a, I would say a serviceable running back. You know, I was kind of trying to find the perfect word for it. Cause I don't, I don't want to say that he's not good anymore because he's still a quality player, but I also don't think he's at that stage where he can just carry the load. But whether it was the Titans game or the Eagles game, I thought he actually played well in extended minutes and with a larger workload. So I still think he's a serviceable player, but he's pushing 33. I mean, he's going to be 33, I believe, in December. So at some point, he can't keep doing this, you know? There's going to be some type of drop-off, and there's already been a little bit, so... Is there an extended drop-off? If so, you can't rely on Mark Ingram as much as you thought. Tony Jones Jr. Man, I have one question with Tony Jones Jr. Is he any good? And I, and I don't mean this as a slight at all, and I, and I don't mean it as a sense that he can't get better. But the Tony Jones Jr. we saw in preseason, we never saw again. Part of it's injuries. Part of it's a Saints O-line, which is banged up. Part of it was he just really didn't get an opportunity. And whichever one it was, it was just a terrible mix. And I honestly think the only thing I'll remember from last season about Tony Jones Jr. outside of the preseason, because he was good in the preseason, was the one time we kind of heard his name during the regular season. I think it's because there was friendly fire on a pass blocking situation and Teron Armstead hurt his shoulder because of it. Like that, that was the moment. And again, no knock on Tony Jones Jr. Doesn't mean that he can't come uh, out of the gates hot and really take that next step. Cause it is possible. Remember undrafted guy doesn't play year one. Shows a lot of promise year two in the preseason. And if he didn't show that promise in the preseason, I don't know if the Saints are cutting Latavius Murray like they did. And then we don't really get anything else. So maybe there is a jump that's to be had by Tony Jones Jr. And if there is, that's excellent for the Saints. But we don't know. And then the fourth guy on the depth chart, Abram Smith, who, yeah, I've, I've spoken highly of. I, I think Abram Smith can make the roster, even though he's an undrafted free agent. I think that there are there is potential there with him as a one-cut downhill guy, uh, an ability to continue to grow because he isn't a player who has ample experience at running back at the collegiate level because he was bouncing back and forth between running back and linebacker at Baylor. But he has to, unfortunately for him, falls in the same category as Tony Jones Jr. in the sense that, is he also any good? I mean, I think he can be, but we don't know. We just don't know. So I think there's a lot of uncertainty when you look at the Saints running back room. And, and for that reason, I think they need someone. Now, they wanted Sony Michelle, or at least were interested in maybe adding Sony Michelle, who, by the way, played pretty well with the Rams last year. And he ends up signing with the Miami Dolphins, which I, I think makes a lot of sense. He's going to go to a run-heavy scheme with Mike McDaniel there. He probably will have some success. Are the Saints out of options? The answer is no, because Sony Michelle was there on May on the open market, and there are other running backs still there on the open market because, unfortunately, they play a position that people just do not value the way they used to. And I think there are four options in particular – that make the most sense. And one of them actually became available this Tuesday, which kind of really led me to be like, all right, let's talk about this running back situation. Cause I think it is worth diving into. And, and let's go with the first one. I think the first one for me, and maybe this is the best option available. Daryl Williams from Kansas city. 
just 27 years old. He had over 500 rushing yards last year, also had 450-plus receiving yards. I think he's a player whose best football is yet to come. And if you're the Saints, you might want to kind of jump in on that, and you might want to be able to get that player and add him to your team. And, yeah, maybe his best football from a production standpoint might not be yet to come because if he goes on the Saints and Kamara's not suspended, what is his role? It's probably not huge, right? But let's say Kamara does miss time. Is Daryl Williams a player who can step in and, and make plays? Absolutely. Because I just saw it last season with Kansas City when Clyde Edwards-Alaire went down. Daryl Williams stepped up. And I think he's a, he's a player who at this stage in his career, he's got fresh legs. He can, he can kind of check off both boxes, right? Because I think when, you, when you're adding a running back, you want them to be more than just a runner. And I will say, although I did like the idea of Sonny Michelle joining the Saints, Sonny Michelle is primarily kind of a short yardage back. Don't expect him to just be this do-it-all player because that's not him. I think Daryl Williams might be kind of like a do-it-all player, but maybe the production just isn't amazing, right? But he can check off boxes. I've seen him play well as a receiver. I've seen him play well in that goal line situation. And if you're the Saints, you'll take another goal line back every day of the week. So I think Daryl Williams from Kansas City makes a hell of a lot of sense. He's still on the open market. I thought he would have gotten a deal already. Nothing crazy, but I thought a team would have signed him. So for him to still be out there, I think that's a really good option for the Saints. If the Saints are you know, interested in adding another running back, and since they showed interest in Sony Michelle, I'd say the answer is yes there. He's a guy that they should consider. The second one is Devontae Booker. He's a little bit older, 29 years old, but I thought anyone who watched the Giants last year would come away with the takeaway that he was their best running back. And yes, that might sound like a ridiculous statement because they have Saquon Barkley on your roster, but you got to kind of look at what they did and not what their name is. And I think for Devontae Booker, he's another player. He's going to run in between the tackles fairly well, 4.1 yards per carry against a, on a, a, you know, behind a pedestrian offensive line in New York. He's a solid receiver out of the backfield. Nothing special there, but he will check off that box. And I think something that Devontae Booker does really well, and that's probably what I like best about him, you're going to get an above average pass, uh, pass protector. And I think that's something that when you play the running back position, you got to be able to do it. And that's something that Mark Ingram is really great at. And I think Devontae Booker, if he came to New Orleans, A, he's not costing you much. B, checks off a lot of boxes. And C, let's be real, it's a one-year deal for a guy like Devontae Booker at this stage in his career. He's probably just going to keep bouncing around teams because he's good enough to play for them, but maybe not good enough for them to say, hey, we want you here for the long haul. And that's okay. Like, running backs kind of know that's the game right now. It's unfortunate, but they know it. They're, they're, not, they're not naive to that. So, Devontae Booker, for me, is another option that's kind of behind door two. Behind door three, this might be the name that intrigues you guys the most, but it might be the riskiest. But it might have the most upside. So it's whatever game you want to play here. If you want to play high risk, high reward, this is your guy behind door three, Tariq Cohen. Let's just cut to the chase. When he's healthy, Tariq Cohen's a good football player. And when I mean good, I mean he's a guy who's a legit weapon at wide receiver. He's not only going to be a shifty back. He's someone that, honestly, you could throw the ball to him 60, 70 times a year and you will get that type of production in 2018 when he was healthy. And I know this seems like light years ago because it was four years ago and I'm starting to lose the concept of time at this point. He had over 700 receiving yards. I think he had over 1100 scrimmage yards. He was just a really talented, productive player for the Chicago bears. But unfortunately an injuries derailed his career for the last two years. He suffered a torn ACL torn MCL. And I think it was a, 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 a tibial plateau fracture, something wild of that sort. And because of that, he's been out for over a year and a half. So he is risky because you don't know what you're going to get. I don't know if you'll ever get the Tariq Cohen backflipping, you know, shifty running back that you want to see, right? That's what made him really exciting. And I don't know if he can still do that. But what I will say, and I think it's something that teams do pretty often in the NFL, and maybe some don't do it often enough, and I wish they would, 
He's bet on talent. So if I'm just like listing all these running backs here, that then there's four of them that I think they make the most sense for the Saints. I think from a talent perspective, I think Tariq Cohen has the most talent because I've seen it. I've seen him play really well on a Mitch Trubisky-led Bears team. And if you want to bet on talent and you feel like th- this is a high-risk, high-reward move that the Saints can make, then I do think Tariq Cohen's the guy that you kind of take a chance on. And again, just like any of these running backs that I will list, they're not going to cost you an awful lot. And I don't know if you really have to commit besides one year. I think that's all you really have to commit to. So I, I think Tariq Cohen... For all the reasons listed, I think he is a very, very intriguing option uh, for the Saints if they want to go play a little high-risk, high-reward, kind of go that way. Now, if you want to play it safer, there's other options out there. And one option out there just became available today, and that's behind the fourth and final door, and that's Tyson Williams, who played for the Ravens. They withdrew the exclusive rights tender to him, so now he becomes an unrestricted free agent. Before that, he wasn't exactly going to get many deals because no one's really going to go after uh, an, a, a excuse me, restricted free agent like Tyson Williams. That's not really a guy that you kind of put all your chips to the center of the table and you make a run and you're like, hey, I'm okay with losing draft capital. Like, no, you, you don't really go for that. But I, I do think that he's an intriguing back. He's only 25 years old. He's physical. Uh, I thought he played really well to start the Raven season. And then he got put in the doghouse. And I, I don't really know the reason what happened behind the scenes that that, that transpired. But I, I do think that he's, again, another name for the Saints where you're not looking for an all-pro running back because you're not going to find one, obviously, at this stage in this in this offseason. But you're looking for a serviceable back. Lighten the load from Kamara. Lighten the load from Mark Ingram. Lighten the load from either Tony Jones Jr. or Abram Smith, whoever kind of wins that number three back competition. Or maybe someone from this group out of the four I mentioned. Maybe they come in and they take that number three spot. But whatever the case may be, you want someone who can lessen the load for the other two. And I, I think that's going to happen uh, if they were to add one of these four. So I'm curious. Tyson Williams, um, Tariq Cohen, Devontae Booker, Darrell Williams. Which one out of those four do you really like the most? Let me know in the YouTube uh, comment section below, and and obviously I'll get to those. But I'm very intrigued to know what you guys think on that topic. So let's kind of switch gears to the second topic. Uh, If you're here to to listen about the Jameis Winston thing, hold on for two more minutes. We're going to get into it. Uh, I wanted to save that for last because, again, it's Jameis Winston, man. It's an intriguing topic. So Tyron Matthews. Contract breakdown came out today. It is essentially 27 mil over three years. Now, the report was 33 over three. That was the initial one. Well, that's because of incentives. There's $2 million per year in incentives. And in order for the Saints to kind of pay him out, A, he's got to play 80% of the snaps, and B, they got to be in the playoffs. And also, there are all pro incentives there. So if Tyron Matthew balls the hell out, he's going to get his money, and rightfully so. And that's what the Saints want, which is why you structure a deal like this. But as for the actual breakdown... For anyone that is curious, there's a $9.5 million signing bonus for this season that goes along with a base salary of just $1.5 million fully guaranteed for this year. So about $11 million this year. 2023 base salary, $7 million fully guaranteed. Then you got 2024, he's got a base salary of $7.5 million with a $1.5 million off-season roster bonus. So you kind of total all those numbers together, the nine and a half, the, the 1.5 times two, the 7 million, the seven and a half million, a lot of numbers, a lot of math that equals 27 and then $2 million per year in incentives that gets you to 33 over the three years. So honestly, I think it's a pretty damn good deal because you're looking at a three year, $27 million deal, which is essentially what you gave Marcus may for a player who, yes, is Tyron Matthew as good as Marcus Williams. I'm going to say no at this stage because I think Marcus Williams, A, is younger, B, the upside is there. But Tyler Matthews is still a damn good football player. And I, and I said this when the deal happened. 
for the Saints to lose who was the best safety on the open market and replace him with the number two and number three, I think that's really, really good. And I think Tyron Matthews' deal, A, it's not breaking your back, and B, it's structured in a way that if he plays to the potential that you think he can play up to, then he gets more money. And I think that's a win-win for all parties. So I'm a big fan of the deal. I think you should be too. So main, you know, main part of this, uh, I guess the the probably the full course meal you're waiting for, kind of talk about Jameis Winston, right? And I think for Jameis, like this is it, man. Like after the draft that the Saints had, there's no more discussions for this season about do they bring in another quarterback or are they looking at a quarterback? Like maybe they do next year or two years, three years, four years, whatever the hell it might be from now. Not this year. Like it's it's Jameis's chance to show what he can do in a full-time role with a better supporting cast around him, I would say now, because Michael Thomas is back and Chris Olave is on the roster. And I think they could upgrade the roster in other ways too. And hopefully they do in the future, but it's going to be interesting. And I think with, with that becomes the the topic of what's a realistic stat line for James Winston. I saw people tweeting about it and I found it quite interesting. And if you're kind of like, you know, does Chris see everything on Twitter? I think the answer is mostly yes. So for whoever put that out there, kudos to you. Cause I, you kind of inspired me to talk about this. Uh, on, on the podcast and kind of dive into it. So again, shout out to you, whoever whoever made it actually kind of hit me up. I want to properly uh, credit you for this. But, uh, you know, I think for Jameis, you look at last year's numbers, 14 touchdowns, three picks, just a, you know, a little bit over 1,000 yards passing. It almost felt like an anomaly and people are going to be like, oh, here we go, like being negative. No, I, the anomaly has nothing to do with the touchdowns and interceptions. The anomaly was the fact that the Saints offense had about 1,100 passing yards through seven games. That is never going to fly. And last year was just so weird, right? The Saints were playing in an offensive system that had no weapons. Offensive line was getting hurt. And they knew their defense was great. So they were playing really not to lose. And and it was a brand of football that you never want to see again. I know I never want to see again. And I think the good thing is I don't think we will see it again. So let's kind of get into this. The best game Jameis had last year was the five touchdowns, zero interception game against the Packers at least statistically speaking. And I felt like that was always an anomaly, right? Because the, there were short uh, short fields every part of the game because the defense was just, just dominating Aaron Rodgers. The Saints had the best red zone execution they had all year. So that's why you saw five touchdowns. That's why you saw no picks. But more importantly, you saw basically no passing yards, right? Like Jameis didn't have that many passing yards in that game. Winston can do it. Like this isn't a question about can Jameis have th- five touchdowns in the game? Like I've seen him do it. I'll probably see him do it again. So he could do that. So there's no question about that. I think for the Saints offense, though, you're going to push it a little bit more because A, you added a potential playmaker in Chris Olave, and B, you're expecting an all-pro wide receiver to come back. Now, even if he doesn't come back at an all-pro level, 60% of what Michael Thomas was is two times better, three times better, four times better than what the Saints were fielding at wide receiver last year. And this isn't a knock to whoever was playing wide receiver last year. It's just the truth, and, and I know that's all I mean it to be. So I think for the Saints... What's the number you're targeting with Jameis Winston? I think a good starting number for touchdowns is anywhere from 28 to 30. I think that's a really good baseline, and I think he could hit that. Now, obviously, if he played a full season last year, the numbers tell you he would hit that, right? 14 touchdowns through seven games. Double it, you get to 28. You got two games left. Let's say he has three, four more touchdowns. He's getting over the 30 mark. So I think 28 to 30 is a really good starting kind of baseline for him. And if he hits that, that's great. And if he goes over that, that's outstanding. So... I look at Jameis Winston, and I've said this for, for the past couple months. I think when you kind of look at what his career has been, you kind of ignore what this past season was because it was kind of odd number-wise, and you ignore the 30-for-30 30 30 season, and you'll find yourself realizing 
he's somewhere in that 28 touchdowns to 14 pick ballpark, 15 pick ballpark, whatever it might be. That's what he was. I thought pre coming to the saints and pre 30 for 30, anywhere between 25 to 28 touchdowns and 15, to 18 picks. That was kind of what he was giving. I think Jameis is wiser now. I think he has maybe limited himself in terms of how many deep balls that he's going to throw or chance he's going to take. But the benefit to that is you're not turning over the ball as much. So I look at Jameis Winston right now. I think that you're seeing more patience. I think that he will take more chances now because the Saints have better options around him. And for that reason, I think you will see a player that's going to have around, I would say, anywhere from 13 to 15 picks. And for anyone who thinks that's a high number, I totally disagree. I don't think it's a high, a really bad number at all. I've seen teams do it where they have anywhere from 13 to 16 picks, and they're perfectly fine. And I think for the Saints case, if he gives you 13 or 14 picks, and for the record, if I had to say today, I think it's around 13 to 14, and that's not a bad number at all. It's A, less than one pick a game, and B, it's accounting for a multi-interception game. So when he has a multi-interception game, and I'm sure there will be one, guess what? I'm saying he's also going to have some clean sheets. No interceptions in a couple of games. He did it last year. I expect him to do it again. So I think that is the benefit there. And I think for anyone who might be on the negative side and say, like, Chris, you can you can default to 30 picks again. I, I'll i go on the record and say I don't think that will ever happen again. I do not. I, I think that that 30 for 30 year was just the perfect storm of stupidity for the Buccaneers. And what I mean by that is you take a – no risk it, no biscuit coach with a quarterback that loves to throw it deep early on in his career in a contract year. So he's got something to prove. And what'd you get? You got just a high flying offense that when you throw the ball that many times, and mind you, Jameis was hurt a lot of that season and you played through it. You're going to get bad results. The Saints are not that team. The Saints are going to try and be balanced offensively. The Saints are going to play good defense. And because of that, I don't think you need to sit here just aerating the shit out of the ball. And the Saints won't have to do that, which is a great thing. So overall, I'm looking at a baseline of anywhere from 30 touchdowns and 14 picks. And I think that if that happens, I think the Saints will be a playoff team. I really feel that way. If Jameis goes anywhere better than that, guess what? The ceiling expands for this team. And I think that's really good. And I think I'm actually being very fair about where I'm putting it. And if you guys think I'm not being fair enough, I'm curious as to what side of the spectrum. Do you think I'm being too optimistic or do you think it's not optimistic enough? I'm, I'm curious though. But I think that's a really good baseline. 30 touchdowns, 14 picks. And anything better than that is just gravy. That's that's just a cherry on top for the situation. I think the only question mark, passing yards, what is that going to be? What is it? What is this offense going to look like, right? Because I think we, we really don't know. Like, Sean Payton's gone. You have better weapons coming in. You should still upgrade a little bit more. I think the Saints can and, and hopefully will. So I'm, I'm curious. I don't think he needs to throw for 5K, and I don't think he will throw for 5K. And honestly, I think that's a good thing because you do not want to put everything on Jameis, right? You want him to throw anywhere, I would say, from 4,000 yards to 4,400 yards. That's a sweet spot. And I got him throwing around that 4K, 4.1K area, and that'd be great. I think if Jameis gives you 4,000 passing yards, 30 touchdowns, 14 picks, and you're playing good defense, how do the Saints not make the playoffs, right? So I think that's kind of the baseline what you're looking for, and I think you can hit that. And I'm really curious to see if he does. But I'm, you know, I'm curious to hear what you guys have to say too. Like this is a big topic because Jameis – I think is the player with the biggest impact on next season, right? Because if he plays like he did last year, you feel good about the Saints being a safe playoff team. If he plays better, your expectations change. And if he plays worse, on the flip side, not only do your expectations change, you wonder about what is the future, right? So there's a lot weighing on him, but I do think 
with a a pro with an approach that is an all-rounded football team, and by God, we all know they have the roster to do that. I think that we'll see solid results. He and don't take this an insult at all. I think this is a good thing. He could play like Ryan Tannehill in Tennessee, and if he does that, the Saints are going to make the playoffs because you got a defense that's really good. You got a running back you could trust in Alvin Kamara, and you got better weapons around him this year with Michael Thomas and Chris Olave. And for anyone saying, "Man, I can't believe you just mentioned Ryan Tannehill." There's a reason I said Ryan Tannehill in Tennessee, because Ryan Tannehill in Tennessee has given you 33 touchdowns and seven picks one year, 22 touchdowns and six picks another year, and 21 touchdowns and 14 picks another year. And the 21 touchdowns and 14 picks was his worst year, and they still got the one, one seed in the AFC. So I think anywhere from 30 touchdowns to 14 picks, 30 touchdowns, 13 picks, 30 touchdowns, 12 picks, that's kind of a baseline I'm looking at, and close to 4,000 yards. 3,800 yards would be great for him too. So he's not going to have to have all that weight on his shoulders. And I think that's a great thing for the New Orleans Saints. And I, and I think that's where he would thrive at his best. But I'm curious to know what you guys think about this. What is your realistic stat line for James Winston? Let me know in the comments. I'd love to see what you guys have to say about that. And always, if, if there's something I didn't hit up and something you want me to cover, hit me up on Twitter, um, you know, at me, hit me up on the DMs if, if we follow each other and, and I'll kind of get into it and, and we'll kind of talk about uh, how I can address that topic on Straight Up Saints because we have kind of reached that period of the offseason where – we, we got to talk about certain things because there are a little dead periods, but at the same time, this is an exciting roster, and I, I think it should be a, a fun season. But that's going to wrap it up for this edition of the Straight Up Saints podcast. As always, guys, if you haven't yet, subscribe to the YouTube page for Bucher Media. It really helps out the channel. Leave a thumbs up on this video if you did like it. And, of course, get back to kind of the questions I threw out there for the running backs, for Jameis. Let me know your thoughts in the comment section below. But that's going to wrap it up. And as always, guys, keep it plugged in here for the Straight Up Saints podcast, the destination for... You're listening to the Straight Up Saints Podcast.